according to legend, the seeds for the band The Rolling Stones was planted when Keith Richards ran into Mick Jagger at Dartford train station in Kent, England. Richards and Jagger had been friends when they were four years old. They had been school friends, but they were separated when Jagger went to a school for gifted children until a fateful day when they reunited on a train platform in 1960 at the age of 17. Under his arm, Mick Jagger held two records, The Best of Muddy Waters and Rockin' at the Hops by Chuck Berry. These records were rare in England at the time. Europe as a whole was still reeling in the wake of World War II. England had been heavily damaged by Nazi bombing raids, and it had to be rebuilt both physically and economically. These were not easy times in which to grow up. Perhaps that is why many young people in England at the time were drawn to the blues. Back in America, blues records were small regional works that did not sell well. This was tied to the isolation of radio, transportation, and commerce to a lo local level, as well as the history of racism in this country. Blues records were openly referred to as race records. Labels like OK Records in New York lauded artists like Mammy Smith as our race artist. There was even race music category in the Billboard charts. At the time, the black community began to disarm the term by claiming it as their own, much like the Latin American community culture uses the term la raza today. But eventually, this, that term, the power of that term, became whitewashed and all Billboard's race music category became simply rhythm and blues, or R&B as we know it today. American blues were charged with this racial tension. In reaction to being called boy all his adult life, Willie Dixon wrote the song Manish Boy, in which Muddy Waters sang, I'm a man. I spelled M. A child, N, if you've never heard it, it's extraordinarily powerful, especially when you know the context. Artists like Muddy Waters were largely unnoticed and forgotten in the United States. They held other jobs while also performing. But in England, blues had developed into a cultural phenomenon. American blues had a role like punk music in the 70s. Young people who loved the music became a tribe. They spoke insider language of Howlin' Wolf, Lightning Hopkins, B.B. King. That fire was fueled by the fact that you couldn't get blues records in England. <coughs> to get them, Mick Jagger had written to Chess Records, the music label in Chicago, who recorded the music and pressed it onto vinyl. Chess packaged them up, mailed them across the United States onto a boat where they sailed across the Atlantic and made their way eventually to the hands of Keith Richards. When Keith, I mean to Mick Jagger, 
When Keith saw Mick with those records, he instantly knew what that meant. Here was another person from his tribe. Here was another person who would understand. Someone who spoke his language. This is the sort of bond that the Judeans of all nationalities felt on the fateful day back in Jerusalem, Pentecost. It was a day of community, a day of passion, a day of radical inclusion. Imagine yourself in a foreign city, a city like London or New York or Paris or Hong Kong or Singapore or Dubai, a place where people from all over the world gather. Some are just passing through, but most are there on pilgrimage. They are fulfilling their religious obligation. They are following the passion of their tribe. Like deadheads or Frank Ocean fans going to a concert, these people had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost, which was the Greek term for Shavuot, or the Festival of Weeks which happens 49 days after the Passover, and it marks the wheat festival uh, in the land of Israel, according to Exodus 34. It also commemorates the anniversary of the day God gave the Torah to the entire nation of Israel on Mount Sinai. Yes, Pentecost is a Jewish thing. I think we often forget that. People came from out of town to the big show. The passage from Acts says that there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem. Slight exaggeration. <laughs> we know that it's pretty unlikely there were Maori tribesmen, Hawaiian elders, any Eskimos, any Lakota Sioux, any Melanesians from western New Guinea. The list provided in the passage, while extensive, limits to every nation within a couple hundred miles of Jerusalem. But we get the gist. There were all sorts of people who lived in different countries and spoke different languages, but were there. They were all part of one tribe, the nation of Israel. They were Jewish. Some were Jewish folks living abroad, but others grew up outside of Palestine, outside of Judea. They were raised speaking a different language, but learned a common language of Judaism. By that, I mean both Hebrew, the language of the Torah, and the inner language and culture of a religion, a way of being, a tribe. Today, there are 7,102 living languages spoken in the world. Of the 7.2 billion people on earth, most speak a dialect of Chinese. 1.39 billion people speak a variant of Chinese, some kind of dialect. The next most common conglomerate is a conglomerate of Hindi and Urdu speakers, which account for 588 million people. Only then do we English speakers appear. There are 5 million, 527 million of us. Despite the 
importance of English in global economics and politics, we are not the majority. I think it's easy to forget that. While it can be frustrating to have to speak English when you are on vacation somewhere, you'd like to practice the local language, it is still more comforting to hear our native tongue in places where English is rare. It immediately unites us to others. That instant unity is crucial to understanding Pentecost. Historically, the God we worship was the God of Israel. It was the God of a particular people, a tribe. To be included in God's favor meant conversion to that tribe. You threw away all your Beatles records and you became a fan of the Stones. To remain in that tribe, you had to go to the shows, to the concerts. You had to go to Jerusalem, not only for Passover and Pentecost or other festivals, but also as your means of connecting with God. To get right with God, you had to follow the rules as described in the Torah. That required a connection to the temple in Jerusalem. It was the center of religious life, the chess records of the Jewish blues. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit, everything changed. Suddenly, the relationship with God that had been confined to the temple was now available to everyone. The Holy Spirit spoke your language. The Holy Spirit loved the blues, loved the Rolling Stones, and it loved the Beatles. It loved Tupac and Biggie. It loved Bob Marley, Bob Dylan, The Dead, Graham Parsons, Fleet Foxes, Maynard Chow, Jacques Roberto, Miles Davis, Bill Monroe, Bach, Beethoven, John Cage, you name it. The Spirit went straight to the source. Gone were the days when you had to explain yourself. Gone were the days when you translated. I recently watched this movie, uh, Patterson. Has anybody seen it? About uh, the poet. It's a Jim Jarmusch movie um, about a bus driver who is also a poet, played by Adam Driver, who's the, the guy who's in the HBO series Girls, and uh, he was also Kylo Ren in the last Star Wars. For any of you Star Wars folks out there. Um, at one point, Driver is sitting on a public bench with a Japanese man that he learns is a published poet. Driver asks him if his poetry has been translated. And the Japanese poet looks to Driver and says, What's the point? Reading translated poetry is like taking a shower with a raincoat on. With the coming of the Holy Spirit, there was no translation necessary. The Spirit brought people together by speaking their language. Suddenly, everyone's in. Everyone participates in God's love. Everyone connects with God. As Peter quotes from Joel, saying, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone shall be saved. Everyone shall be saved. Don't get confused with the bloody moon and the darkened sun. This is not something bad. 
These are changes that thing, uh, signs that things have changed. They're signs. This is the change. Everyone shall be saved. All you have to do is call out to the eternal love that made you using the language that is closest to your heart. Everyone who calls on the Lord, who turns to God. As Rumi said, there are hundreds of ways to kneel down and kiss the ground. But all of those ways involve a turning of the heart to the eternal, calling on God, not turning to inciting terror like we saw on Saturday night in London, not denying our relationship to other nations and our absolute connection to this planet whose climate we are changing. Everyone will be saved, but not just for our own sake. As we'll sing in a few minutes, we're all in this together. We no longer say, oh, that person is in my tribe, one of us. You don't look at global climate change and say, America first. Such things as borders disappear in geologic time. With that awareness, our worldview shifts. When you are in, it is your turn to welcome others. In the gospel today, Jesus gives the Spirit, breathes the Spirit upon the disciples and empowers them to bring others in, to forgive sins, to reconnect people with God, to go to those who have been marginalized and forgotten, those who feel like they are part of no tribe, those who feel like they belong somewhere, just not here. Go to them, Jesus says, and give them good news. You are in. How amazing does that feel when you get an acceptance letter, when you get an email from an old friend, or you get some records in the mail from a country oceans away? Inclusion. Through the Holy Spirit, God is drawing you in to deeper inclusion, saying, come, come as you are. God wants you exactly as you are. Come deadheads, come beaver fans, come Trekkies, come Star Wars fans, come nurses, come students, come teachers, come musicians, come babies, come elders, come injection-molding plastic leaders, come Suzuki method teachers, come Harry Nelson fans, come gamers, come athletes, come artists, come hospital administrators, come punk metalheads, skiers, surfers, hikers, bikers, nature lovers, short, tall, skinny, fat, tired, happy, anxious, mellow, whatever. Come where you belong. You don't have to translate to God. And God does not have to be translated to you. Instead, God works in and through your passions to inspire you to be your best and truest self. Connected with God and neighbor. Amen.